A Gentle Thief, written and performed by Amanda Dixon. Episode 15. In episode 14, we find Sophie Brownlee working on the Madeline Johnson case. She is doing what the state medical examiner of Utah told her to do, which is reach out to three medical examiners he respects and ask them, look at the evidence, look at the reports. Did I miss anything? And if I did, then maybe I'll look at the case again. So she is writing her letters and sending the evidence out to these medical examiners. While she's working on the case, she gets a call from an old college friend who says, why don't you go see a psychic? One that she's seen before. And reluctantly, Sophie does. And now, episode 15 of A Gentle Thief. December 27th, 1983. I hope you had a good holiday, Dr. Mina Theron said to Khan and Maddie as they walked in from the cold and sat in the chairs opposite hers. Maddie didn't say anything in response. Khan responded, Terrific! How was yours? Lovely, thank you. Dr. Theron sat down as Khan and Maddie got settled into their chairs. Then she leaned forward and put her hands on her knees. Christmas can bring things to a head sometimes. Did either of you have any epiphanies this week? Maybe, Con answered. Maddie looked over at him with surprise. I drove by Maddie on my way home Christmas morning. From Gina's, Maddie interjected. From Gina's, Con admitted. I saw Maddie crossing Main Street and... I didn't stop. I knew she recognized my Jeep, and I knew it hurt her when I didn't stop. And the bizarre thing is, I I wanted it to hurt her. I even admitted that to her later. He seemed proud of himself. Go on, Dr. Theron encouraged. This whole thing just fascinates me. I don't know why we don't just go our separate ways and be done with it, but we don't. We keep coming back together like one of those scientific properties that keeps going in opposite directions until it can't go anymore and then starts coming back together. He looked at the two women for signs of recognition but didn't see any. I don't know why I wanted to hurt her, he reiterated. Talk to Maddie, Dr. Theron encouraged. I don't know why I wanted to hurt you, he turned to Maddie. That's the thing. It's like I'm having a fight with someone else who's in your body. The intensity of our emotion for each other just doesn't match the level of our relationship. I mean, we've only known each other for a few months and sporadically at that. And yet, I feel desperate when I imagine my life without you in it. I do, too, Maddie admitted, surprising herself. Khan stopped talking. I do, she confirmed. I don't know why either. You could not be more wrong for me than you are, and you treat me terribly. You don't really like me, Con, and I'm pretty sure I don't like you, she said without malice. And yet I feel like I can't breathe when I think about you going away and never coming back. Dr. Theron jumped in. What I'm hearing is a lot of fear surrounding this relationship. Yes, Khan jumped in, and I'm not one to feel afraid in general, but I do feel fear. I feel like Maddie has some kind of power in my life, like I'm not in control of what's happening somehow. What are you not in control of? 
Dr. Theron pushed. My thoughts? I feel like I control the little things, whether I go over to her house or not, whether or not I call, whether or not I see other women. But my thoughts keep coming back to her, and my dreams are all about her. Tell me more about those, Dr. Theron said. Did I tell you about the dream where we're getting married on the day we die and we're all covered in blood? I have that dream a lot. There's always some kind of death image. The one I had last night was of Maddie killing me and then looking down over my body. I was still alive, but but barely, and looking up through dull eyes. And she was just looking at me, like just seeing what she had done. Maddie adjusted herself in the chair. She started itching at her jawline. The other night, she pulled a gun on me, Con blurted out. I did not. You saw my gun on the bed, and you made a big deal out of it, Maddie protested. Did you or did you not point a loaded gun at me? Con pushed. Oh my gosh, you're such a little girl. Okay, Dr. Theron jumped in. We're getting into a serious area here. I want both of you to tell me exactly what happened. Since you brought it up, Con, I want you to go first. Tell me slowly exactly what happened and when was it? The night before last. Christmas night? Dr. Theron asked for clarification. Yeah, Christmas night. I went to Maddie's house to apologize for driving past her that morning and not stopping. At first, she seemed so spacey, and she wasn't even going to let me in the house. She, and then he turned to look at Maddie. You seem so out of it. Con turned back to Dr. Theron. She told me she had a Christmas present for me, so I followed her into the bedroom, and she got this huge gun out on the bed. It's not a huge gun. What is the matter with you? And she picks it up and points it at me and says, What are you, afraid I'm going to kill you? Con stopped, letting that line be the end of the story. Okay, Maddie, what happened? Dr. Theron looked a little off-kilter. He makes it sound like such a big deal. When Con came over on Christmas night, I had been lying on my bed just thinking, and sometimes I take the gun out of my nightstand and check it. It's a habit. I, I did it that night. I didn't even realize it was still out when he came and freaked out. Did you point it at him? Dr. Theron questioned. Well, yes, but not in a threatening way. I was just teasing him. So you enjoyed hurting me the same way I enjoyed hurting you that morning when I drove past? Khan said, analyzing her himself. Yeah, I guess so. I shouldn't have done it, and I'm, I'm sorry, she added. It's okay. I kind of liked it. Khan seemed very alert. Does that make me a weirdo? He asked Dr. Theron. Okay, let's just slow down for a moment here. I need you both to know that if either of you threatens to harm the other, and I perceive that threat as serious, I may be compelled to tell the authorities. I would never hurt him, Maddie jumped in, stating what to her was obvious. But you just did, and you know you did. Do you see that? Dr. Theron was patient but firm. Well, yes, but I would never really hurt him, Maddie turned to Con. Would you ever really hurt me? I don't know, he answered. Dr. Theron snapped to face him. I need you to hear me, Con, so let me be very plain. If you have any concern or thought that you may harm Maddie, I need to know it right now, and we'll all take steps to make sure that doesn't happen. Look, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not the one who owns the gun. Jeez, Con protested. The only violence in my life is in my dreams. 
All right. Let's get back to those, Con, with an eye toward paying very close attention to what we're talking about here. There are dreams, there is fantasy, and then there is reality and real people. Let's all stay very clear about what we're talking about. Gotcha. Uh, There was another dream I wanted to tell you about, although I'm nervous now because I'm afraid you're all going to freak out. Dr. Theron just nodded for him to continue. It's also about death, but this one feels more like a like a premonition. It's not so far out like the wedding one. It feels more real. Do you know what I mean? Dr. Theron nodded slightly. Maddie suggests to me that we both kill ourselves like a like a double suicide. She tells me that we came into each other's lives to stop the pain, to keep us from hurting anyone else, to protect the world from us, that we have the strength the other one needs to finally do this thing. She plans for us to do it. She's going to shoot me and then shoot herself. She has everything planned out from who's going to find us to how big of a mess it's going to make to who will take over her class after she's gone. She plans it for um, Saturday night, almost like it's a date or something. We have this bizarre night of ritualistic stuff. There are candles and ceremonies and wine. And, and then we both lie down on the bed. And she holds the gun up to my head and fires. And then she lies back down, but she never puts the gun to her own head. And that's the end of the dream. I'm waiting for her to shoot herself, but she never does. Maddie is beginning to shake slightly. It comes on as a tremor to her right knee and spreads from there to her thigh and torso and right arm. Are you all right, Maddie? Dr. Theron notices the color gone from her face and the slight jerking of her hand. Maddie, are you all right? May I have some water? Maddie whimpers. The three of them sat in silence in the small front room of Dr. Theron's home office for several minutes. The only sound was Maddie's occasional swallowing and the lifting of the plastic cup from her lap to her mouth. Dr. Theron looked thoughtful and not in any hurry, even though the end of their hour was approaching. Khan looked to Dr. Theron for permission to continue speaking, but she frowned and shook her head almost imperceptibly. Maddie was staring straight ahead of her, somewhere to the left of where Dr. Theron was sitting. She felt the tremors in her right arm and legs slow, but not go away completely. She grew more comfortable with the instability, the shakiness. She sipped water and smiled to herself. "'What are you thinking?' Dr. Theron asked her gently after some time passed. Khan's expression turned to pout. "'I'm thinking of death.' "'remembering the only dead person I've ever seen. "'She had Khan's attention now. "'Do you want to talk about it?' Dr. Theron asked. "'You know, I never have. "'I'm, I'm not sure why. It's, "'It's quite a story. "'I guess I've just never wanted to tell it. "'You don't have to now, Maddie. "'I think I've always thought that if I talk about it, "'everyone will think I'm a monster. "'Maybe I'll think I'm a monster.' Maybe I am a monster. (laughs) No judgment, Maddie. Just tell us what happened if you want to. I remember the look on her face the most. 
it was almost hopeful, like her face was caught in this expression of hoping an ambulance would come and everything would be all right. She didn't see me. I'm not sure, but I I don't think she could see me. Her eyes looked gone by the time I got out of the car and got up to her. Maddie took another sip of water. There was so much blood, she looked from Dr. Theron to Khan. You talk about the blood in your dreams. I, I wonder if it looks in your dreams like it looks in real life. Because it's, it's awful. It's so thick. It, it almost looks fake. Maddie looked back in the direction of Dr. Theron, but not quite at her. She was looking into the distance, remembering. There was blood all over her chest and her face and in her hair. This guy came. He asked me if I was okay. He took me by the shoulders and turned me away from the accident. And we walked over to the side and down this little meadow. And He told me not to turn around. And when I heard him walking back to the road, I, I turned around and I watched him. You were in an accident? Khan asked, seeming wounded that he didn't know the story. It was my fault. I killed her. Maddie walked to the passenger side of Khan's jeep as they left Dr. Theron's. She didn't ask for a ride home. She just left her SUV where it was parked and got in Khan's jeep. She didn't ask any questions. He drove calmly in silence down Main Street and up the sloping roads to Maddie's house. The lights were on at Junior's place, and both his and his girlfriend's cars were parked in front. Khan drove past Junior's to Maddie's house and turned off the engine. Maddie made no move for the door handle. They sat in the quiet late afternoon light for a few minutes until Khan said, Come on, let's go inside. Maddie didn't move, but when Khan came around and opened her door, she obliged. She walked beside him up to the front door, linking her right arm into his left to be closer to him and for stability. The door was unlocked. They walked in and Khan flipped on the lights. Maddie sat down on the couch without taking her coat off. Khan walked to the kitchen and poured her a glass of water and walked it back out to her. Then he took his coat off and sat down beside her. The two sat together without talking for more than an hour. The sky lost its light and the living room fell into shadow. It was the longest they had ever sat in silence with each other. There were many minutes when Maddie forgot Khan was there and then she would be brought back. Finally, she shared her thoughts with him. I didn't do it on purpose. She struggled to say the words with her throat drier than she had expected. She took a sip of water. Didn't do what on purpose? Khan had been in his own thoughts. His lack of focus stopped her. Maybe she shouldn't go down this road with him. Do what, Maddie? He urged. Kill her. I, I didn't kill her on purpose. Of course not, he said, not sure whether she did or not. I don't remember the accident itself. I remember driving. I remember coming around a corner and there was a car backing out of a driveway. That's the last thing I remember. You hit the woman backing out? He questioned. No, I, 
I must have swerved to miss her, and then I hit the car coming toward me in the other lane. I hit her head on. And you weren't hurt at all? Not really. I I had a slight concussion. I had some bruises and a fractured bone in my wrist. I still can't believe I wasn't killed or seriously hurt. It was that Corvette, that big long hood on that Corvette got in between me and the other car. You had a Corvette? Khan asked with some surprise. For a brief time, it was a gift from my stepmom. My mom always said Samantha should never have given it to me, that it was ridiculous for a 16-year-old to have a Corvette, that I should give it back. I was actually thinking of giving it back to her the day I had the accident. Did they ever charge you with anything? Maddie swallowed. No, they should have, but they didn't. No, they shouldn't have. Why do you say that? You know the police and prosecutors. They're always charging people when they're already punishing themselves enough. If they didn't charge you, I'm sure it was because there was nothing to charge. It wasn't out of sympathy, that's for sure. It might have been, Maddie disagreed. People don't do things out of sympathy, Khan said, showing his wounds. At least cops don't. They might. You and I don't see it. We always see the worst in everything and everybody. But some people aren't like us. Some people love easily. Some people treat each other with respect and tenderness. Yeah, who? Khan pushed, not sure if he wanted Maddie's we to include him. My father, for one, although I never gave him credit for it. This was new territory for Maddie. She wasn't sure she had ever had these thoughts before, let alone spoken them. I thought your father abandoned you, Khan said defensively. No, Maddie started to cry. He left my mother, who had abused him for years, and he left me. That's true, but he never abandoned me. She was sobbing now. I've tried to make him feel guilty about it since I was 13 years old. My mother was the one who always said he abandoned us, but he didn't. He moved a few blocks away. He did it so he could live. He was dying living with my mother and me. Yeah, well, what about you? He just left you behind with that wacko mom. Khan did not want to let her father off the hook. Yeah, he did. And he also talked to me every day on the phone and had me over to his house any time I wanted, even if it was like 10 o'clock at night on a school night and I was just starting some dumb English project that was going to take all night long. He'd come get me and stay up writing it with me. He just wanted to love me. Maddie's breathing was sporadic under the weight of her sobs. Khan tried to pull her head onto his shoulder, but she wouldn't let him. You can't comfort me. No one can. I've hurt him too much. I've hurt everyone who ever loved me. You? You're nothing compared to me. What was he talking about? Maddie stopped sobbing long enough to look at him. I have a daughter I completely ignore. There's a special place in hell reserved for guys like me. Maddie looked at him with swollen eyes. I never loved her mother, he continued, taking the focus off Maddie. I barely knew her to tell the truth. 
She was just some girl I had a class with in college. She was so in love with me, he said with a sad smile. But I... I used her. I actually had a major thing for this other girl in the same class, but she wouldn't have anything to do with me. So I made myself feel better with Dawn's mother. Dawn? Her mother named her after her grandmother, Dawn Louise Karpinski. She took her mother's maiden name. No, that's my name. Your name is Con Karpinski? Yes, 